You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. How you doing? I'm doing okay. What are you showing I'm, me? Uh, I'm measuring my oxygen level. Oh, how I was been I've been meaning my, to ask you how is your oxygen level, Mickey? It's, well, I'll let you know in a second. That's a thing yeah. on you. We should say to our audio, our vast audio only audience, uh, you've got some kind of big, huge clip thing on your finger. I have a pulse oximeter, which you can get for around forty bucks. And that's handy, am I right? Because they came to realize at some point that one thing the COVID virus does is deplete the, does it deplete the oxygen in your blood, uh, without afflicting your lungs per se sometimes? So people don't feel that they're having trouble breathing right. and yet they don't have enough and they, oxygen. They feel fine, but they're in fact in deep trouble. But you will um, be in deep trouble, Mickey, because you're going to, do you carry that thing around with you all the time? No, I only do it once a day. Otherwise I would be obsessed with it. But, um, well, it's okay. It's 96, which is not so good. No. I don't think so. You're supposed to be 99, but I think 95 and above is good. Anyway, let's pretend that it's good. Maybe I'll take it later in the show, just to that, prove I'm not obsessed. We always have I, something to, to keep them on the edge of the seats. To prove I'm not obsessed about this. Also to keep them listening. We always have a gimmick, <laughs> no. and, and this time, if they want to find out whether or not your oxygen level's fine, they're going to have to hang on. So how would you characterize this week, Mickey? I know how I would characterize it. Well... I'm sort of uh, everything is going all to hell, but uh, that's one way. Uh, uh, I'm I'm not. I'm trying to ignore the police brutality riots cycle because it's familiar, and you sort of know how it ends. And I guess if I were a real pundit, I would be teasing out the political implications of this that it's good for Trump, bad for Trump, he's behaved badly. Or, well, good but for Kamala like Wait, 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 wait. Most clearly, I would say it's good for Kamala Harris, right? The whole, the whole thing. She, well, she was well, a prosecutor. Well, well, yeah, but apparently Amy Klobuchar as a prosecutor actually was in charge of Minneapolis, and there were complaints against this very cop, and nothing happened. The other thing... Which, which she claimed she had nothing to do with the decision not to prosecute this cop. The same cop that that you know need put his knee on the guy's neck, but then she issued an apology saying she should have been personally involved. So she well, was taking some of it onto herself. So I guess yes. First of all, let me it. issue a disclaimer. I don't feel we should dwell forever on the political implications of this because I think the thing itself is important. But as long as we're on Kamala Harris, the other thing that was good for her was this happened as we were taping last week, so we didn't comment on it. But it was uh, Biden's "You ain't black enough." Um, right. Trouble. Don't, don't you think that increases the chances that he will choose a, uh, a, a black, uh, vice presidential running mate? Yes. But okay. the pickings, the pickings are, are not wide. I mean, he has. That's what I say. They are, they consist of Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, and Kamala Harris. No, there's this, uh, Demings. I think she's a congresswoman who he's mentioned. And, uh, and there's, yep. There's the ubiquitous Stacey Abrams, who's hey nah. here, I'm I'm here, pick me. The CW on uh, her, she does not have enough experience, given Joe Biden's, um, shall we say, advanced age and uh, state of. She's governor of Georgia. Um, 
She is governor of Georgia? <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> I, she claims, I was thinking. She, was she claims to have won, and there's all sorts of, uh, oh, there's all sorts Look, of ridicule hey, of her on the web. At my age, it's not nice to throw, like, uh, um, gaslighting curveballs like that. I was like, wait a second. Did I uh, totally misremember that election? She won? Uh, um, so, um, anyway, so enough of the uh, – I do think that uh, historically – it's weird – Everybody's remembering the 92 uh, riots in Los Angeles and how that helped Clinton. But they forget the way it did help Clinton, which is people – I don't feel this this time as strongly, but people felt, damn, we have to get to the root of this problem. We can't just have the standard law and order uh, crackdown uh, that was the previous message of the cycle is that of that sort of riot in California, at least, was that the, the politicians that cracked down the law and order people won. And Clinton didn't do that. He said, let's address the root cause of the problem. Of course, he said the root cause of the problem was a culture of poverty sustained by welfare and gave the most conservatively neoliberal speech of his life, where he said we must break the culture of poverty. But he seemed to actually be addressing the problem. I think he was addressing the problem in a constructive way, and that it gained him points because he didn't just say law and order. So, so this uh, is I wonder King. if that's what's going to happen this time. Well, Biden's not going to just say law and order. Trump is saying just law and order. Trump, Trump is saying, right. you know, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. What do you think well, of that tweet? I mean, you you, well, he, he's, you persist in your belief that Trump has no worrisome authoritarian tendencies? Uh, well, he... I think he claims now he was saying that uh, the the result of looting is shooting, presumably as shop owners and uh, no, I think uh, you in know, context, react react with force to the destruction of their property. So I don't have the whole tweet, but I think in context, it's almost impossible to read it that way. I think when I first saw the line out of context, I thought, well, who knows? Let me go see. But when you read it, it's at the end of a tweet. It's pretty clear he's talking about what the government will do if the looting. I think persists. it's susceptible to another reading, but that you, oh, I had man. the same reaction. I had the same reaction you had when I read it. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you on that. Uh, I think he meant what you th- thought. Yeah, it's like you know, which is like that's like Duterte level, you know. It's stuff. very Duterte is Dutartish, yes. Um, agree with that. You agree, okay? But the, but so that's what I'm saying. I'm saying maybe if the 92 precedent holds, this benefits Biden, not Trump. Yeah, and, awesome. well, I guess. I mean, so 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 wait, but but wait, run that by me again. So Clinton Clinton did a Cl- rare thing, Clinton. which is on the one hand to, to talk about it in terms of root causes, on the other hand, not be a, a real traditional liberal about it. traditionally. Right. I mean, root I mean, causes are liberal talking points, but right. But you, Biden and, and Biden is, but Clinton at the time, and I think it was a correct perception. There was a feeling that welfare sustained as sort of culture of dependence and opposition and mm-hmm. uh and that it was time to do something about it and uh and and bush uh, who had a sort of weak very weak welfare policy didn't do anything and jim pickerton was desperately sending him memos saying it's time for a jobs program we got to address this problem and he didn't do it and clinton seemed not only to be addressing the problem but addressing the problem in an innovative way and in a way that wasn't too liberal uh, so he came off very well. I think, uh, 
I think Biden is not going to address it in an innovative way. Well, he and- already did his little. Did you see his little uh, live stream six minute uh, no. statement? Basically, read from a teleprompter. Not all that effectively. Not all not. that smoothly. Not. What was it like? I didn't hear it all. It was standard. You know, it was standard. This is a. Uh, it was exactly what you would expect of somebody who a week ago got in trouble for saying you ain't black enough. I mean, he's not. He he ain't, he ain't moving in Clinton's direction on this one. <laughs> well, um, you know, the, I mean, I guess the argument is we did reform welfare, and look, we're back in the same boat. So, uh, what did welfare get us? I think welfare reform get us. I think it bought us a lot. But uh, it did not end the problem of police brutality, and that's sort of been uh, been the uh, been the sort you know that's been the the focal point since then. I mean, I'm not sure you need some kind of innovative. I mean, as a political matter, I'm not sure Biden needs some innovative uh, you know proposal. It's like Trump is taking the Duterte line, and Biden just says. Uh, no, I'm with black Americans on this one. And, and uh, he consolidates, you know, that the part of his yeah. base that people had I, been asking questions about a week ago. I don't know. It seems I don't know. I, I guess I would. I mean, I always, they, both, they both basically consolidate their base, I guess. Trump goes law and order and, you know, who knows? I would always favor a massive jobs program, but that's just me. Um, I mean, we have 40 million people out of work. OK, if this well, isn't the time for a WPA, when is well, you know, I was wondering about George Floyd's story. Is it the case that he lost his job recently? There could be a connection to that, you know, that... I, I don't uh, know. I, I haven't followed uh, that. You know, I mean, he was trying to do what? Uh, cash a forged check or, or pass off counterfeit money or something. And, uh, you know, the thing is so weird. It's like, I mean, there were four cops. I know, apparently, you don't want to dwell on the outrage of the thing. But there were four cops. The guy was already handcuffed. It's like, how exactly? And and also, if you're a cop, you would think that the phrase, I can't breathe, would ring a bell. You know? Um, I, I haven't seen the video, so I don't know how long they waited while the crowd was telling them to get off his neck. Um, I've seen enough for, you know, the guy's got his knee on yeah, his neck. He yeah. says, I can't breathe. The guy doesn't flinch. He's not. And uh, all I can figure is that this guy, either he was the senior ranking among the four, which I doubt, or he was just the guy who, by virtue of being a tough guy or something, had kind of the highest implicit status. And so even if some of the other three thought this is clearly not a good idea, nobody had the courage to say anything. I don't know. It's weird. You get, you know. Is, is there any indication that any of the other three thought it wasn't a good idea? Well, no, but you, you but, but how could four people be, you know, all be that stupid? I don't know. I mean, it's like, you got, just the optics alone. I mean, those guys, there's people videoing this. The guy's saying, I can't breathe. You've got your knee on his neck. He's handcuffed. And there are four cops. How do you persist? Um, I don't know. Um, uh, anyway. Uh, I, we've, so, I mean. But uh, they've arrested him now, you know. They've arrested the cop I know just that. within yeah. the last hour or two. Uh, and so maybe. I just this see this as a horrible event to which we don't have much to contribute uh, we probably don't. I mean, I will say I consider it much more worthy of attention than the other racially charged outrage of the week, which was the Central Park Coopers. Um, 
one of whom was a walk, wa- uh, well, not walking a dog, had a dog off a leash, you know. I thought that, uh, I, I, I mean, I thought maybe that could be resolved by a beer summit. Um, it, 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 I didn't realize that she thought the dog was about to be poisoned. That was the key point that Kyle Smith made in National Review that I had missed on the first round. Oh, is that which what is, she's saying now? He, he, well, well, that's what he said. I don't know what she's saying, but he said, what, you, what? you're not going to like it. I, I'm going to do something yeah. you're not going to like. And then he whips out these dog treats. And he may have thought that he was just sort of taunting her by weaning the dog away from the owner and being a nice guy. But she, being paranoid, might have thought, oh, my God, he's poisoning my dog. I don't, I, I don't think he even thought of it as being a nice guy. I, I, I think he thought of it as a way of trolling people who don't. I don't know. I, I mean, I thought. Okay, I, I think, well, trolling. But but, but um, he wasn't poisoning the dog. No, he wasn't poisoning the dog. But he agrees that he said something like, "Okay, you're not going to like what I'm about to do." When she, ca- I mean, we don't need to litigate this endlessly. But when she called nine one one, she said, uh, "There's an African American man who's threatening to attack me or something." She wasn't talking right. about the dog. At I that didn't point. watch the video. I was supposed to be so horrible. I I, I tend not to watch these videos. That are awful. Yeah, well, my, my basic oh. line on this is like, look, we live in an age when everyone is carrying around a smartphone and they can video anything. And social media can take any given video and spread it all over the country. So basically, every day, the worst thing that any single person does in America stands a good chance of being broadcast <laughs> to all of us. So, like, don't overgeneralize. All you know is that one person out of 350 million did something objectionable and 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 you don't know you don't know why you don't know you know you, you don't even have all the facts as you're reacting just you know focus on yeah. cases where cops I, kill people with by you know by strangling them that is important i i, I saw i i agree i saw a magnanimous statement from the guy Although it was semi magnanimous, you know, 100% magnanimous would have been, I call on her employer to reinstate her after they fired her. What he said was, gee, I'm kind of ambivalent about her life being ruined, but I guess that's what happens, you know? Oh, really? Okay. Well, he didn't, I don't think, I don't think, I mean, it's within his power to get her rehired. I don't think he's done that. Yeah. If he calls upon, uh, 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 sure. What are they going to do? That's why I was in favor of the beer summit. Well, that this could be a beer summit, but but it didn't quite get there. Okay, he I, I, I have no particular light on the guy. Uh, he seemed to like take a certain delight in taunting her. No, that that's that's the odd part. I mean, I, I I take his point that dogs should be leashed if that's what the law says. It's just that my recommended approach would be ask them if they'll put the dog on a leash. If they don't, tell them you're going to call the cops. Call the cops. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever. Um, I am, are, he, he's a birder. Are birders, are birders, I guess, I guess he's had this conflict a hundred times before, but birders do not seem to me to be nearly as aggressive a species, a tribe as dog owners. That's certainly not dog the stereotype. Be- Miss Hathaway on Beverly Hillbillies was, was never, never, her, her voice was never raised in anger, as I recall. Was she a birder? Oh, are you kidding? Miss Hathaway? Do you remember the Beverly I- Hillbillies? I am a Beverly Hillbilly, she, but I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember the Beverly Hillbilly. You're not a hillbilly. You are a Beverly. Uh, you haven't looked around not here, to Bob. Be con- not to be confused with the Karen, by the way. We're, That's the other thing. Look, as long as I'm on this, 
I mean, the other thing you shouldn't do, given the fact that every day we're going to see the worst act committed by anyone in the country, is attribute it to some whole demographic category, right? Um, Am I starting to sound I, like I'm as far right as you, Mickey? No, I, I, I when I start I, standing up in defense of Karens, it's a warning. The whole song. Karen, the whole Karen thing, is uh, seems is too subtle for me. I, I don't. Everybody's a Karen. Everybody's accusing. No, some are Beckys. Wait, some are Beckys. What's the difference between a Becky and a Karen? I'm unclear. I, a Karen is apparently a, like a, a white woman of some affluence and privilege who, who is the first to say, I'm calling them. Can I speak right. to your supervisor? Right, right. And a Becky? Um, and a Becky, I, that's what I'm confused about. <laughs> okay. Um, but... uh. But he was, I mean, you're saying he should have been a Karen and he should have called the police. No, he was. He was something of a Karen. Somebody, this this guy, Robert George, the the columnist for right, sure. Daily News or whatever. I love him. He he pointed out that this guy was in a way a Karen. He's the guy who said, get your dog on a leash. That's the yeah. kind of thing a Karen, that line is the kind of thing that would come from a Karen, apparently. I love, Robert I love Robert George for two reasons. Why? He's a stand-up comedian. Okay. And... He likes the Velvet Underground. Two for two. Okay. Spe- speaking of stand-up comedians, you know, you saw that Joe Rogan is getting what they think is maybe a hundred million. I know. Ago. I was going to rag you about that. That was first on my list. Joe Rogan. Do you why think- isn't Bob? Why isn't Bob making a hundred million dollars? Well, what, if you played uh, your cards right, Spotify would be bidding for your services, well, and you would be the richest broadcaster in the world. So do you think this reduces our leverage with Spotify? Like now that they've got Joe Rogan, they don't need you and me as much as they did? Spotify doesn't, but uh, there are other places to do, Bob. This really? is your chance to, to ca- you know, to cash in on the podcast craze before it completely crumbles. I don't understand the podcast craze. I, I, I just started listening to one. I listened to Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. Both very smart people, and I actually learned a lot. But it takes an incredible amount of time. You have to well, you have to are... go through the twenty minutes of banter in the beginning, the, the which is, I guess, okay if you're driving to Tulsa, Oklahoma, in your now, car. This is, the, this is the complaint coming from somebody who began this podcast by talking about the oxygenometer on his finger. That you have well, to I'm put up Katie, with banter I'm, at I'm, the beginning. I'm, I'm pandering to the masses that want that want mindless. Uh, and this isn't hey, mine. Hey, this is pandemic-related. Hey, hey, if you're going to hold it up to the screen, Turn don't it put on. it on your middle finger. What? Don't put it on your middle finger. No, that's where I put, put it. Put it on your index finger. I have a higher score on my middle finger. Although i got to say, if you use your <laughs> middle finger... I'm dying on my index finger. My middle finger is okay. Middle finger does move us closer to Joe Rogan territory. You know, I, Maybe the problem is we're not edgy enough. Uh, we're definitely so not the, edgy Stick enough. with the middle finger. 98, and, so I'm happier. Um, congrats. Uh, so wait, podcast, podcast. So well, some, it, some are more efficient than others. Like, do you listen to the daily? It's like 40% atmospherics. It's extremely frustrating. It, it has a billion downloads a day because, because they, they take, waste so much time on atmosphere. They take right? half an hour to reach a completely conventional New York Times conclusion. And, and they have Michael Barbaro and his breathless thing. Wait, wait, you mean the South used to be Republican? Right. And now, 
it's democratic. Right. No, uh, it's and like, then the person and, and then the reporter repeats it. Yes. It, <laughs> uh, oh no, it's worse than yes. It's worse than yes. They always like a claim as genius. He'll say, So you're saying the sun rises in the east and they'll say, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, they rarely move the ball. They're all they're but they I, I I like to listen to them because they're rich fodder for you know, the same reason that all the conservatives I know watch MSNBC and hate Fox is because Fox is terrible, except for Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram. But MSNBC is a rich fodder of uh, you, you have things to react to. You hate it. You know, you have nuggets of bullshit you can latch on to to attack. It's a gets your mind working. So who, who are the most target rich hosts on MSNBC for you? I can, I can barely watch MSNBC actually, but um, uh, Rachel Maddow is certainly Ra- Ra- awful. And, Rachel uh, Maddow, I, I do have trouble with. I have and, to say, and uh, you know, Joy and Reed is so bad that you can't what's even his, react against her. What's his name's not so bad? The guy I met at uh, my book party that you Chris, know, and, and Chris, the the one you you set up in Southern California. Not Chris o- O'Donnell, Lawrence O'Donnell. Chris Hayes is good, and oh, Chris, Steve is, Kr- Chris is great. I mean, Chris is very and Steve, Steve Kornacki is great. Yeah, he's, so love those he's, guys. He's very but good. Who knew Lawrence? That you- Lawrence is, is is great. If you except on this show, he has to pander to the left. It's not the real Lawrence you're seeing. It's the oh, Lawrence really? pandering to the left. The 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 real Lawrence is uh, is much more variegated in his views. The real Lawrence, as I think I've said on the show. He hates Bill Clinton. He hates Barack Obama. He hates Al Gore. Okay, he only likes Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Okay? Are you telling tales out of school here? He doesn't. Does he, you can does document. He want this now? You can document this entirely on the basis of his public writings. He thought Medicare for all was the answer, and Obama was stupid to pursue the the course he took. Uh, you know, like like many Moynihan. Uh, Loyalists, he thinks Moynihan would have made a better president than Bill Clinton, and Moynihan and Clinton, you know, resented each other from day one. When uh, you know, starting starting when uh, they said, uh, you know, anyway. Okay, so anyway, back to this week. You know how I would characterize this week. One thing I would say is, for a couple of days at least, the pandemic finally yielded center stage to. Other stories that were either unrelated or only distantly related. I mean, this morning I, I had to scroll way below the bottom of my computer screen on the New York Times homepage to find a pandemic story. Well, you know, this is this this raises the issue that I wanted to raise, which is, uh, is it possible that the pandemic is burning out on its own? It does. You know, the, all these states have opened up, and ABC did a survey of I think twenty four states that opened up, and there was no horrible ill effect and it was three weeks ago it should have turned up so is it possible that this this uh this uh nobel prize winning non-epidemiologist michael levitt is right that he sees a pattern where in in in, after two months after two weeks of horror the thing burns out and how would it is it possible for it and my my theoretical question is it possible for an epidemic to burn out Without achieving herd immunity, either for, for for two reasons. One is that there's a a mild strain that takes over, 
somehow that somehow without achieving herd immunity, it sort of it becomes the dominant strain because more asymptotic people spread it than uh, than than do the the vicious strain. Or wait, or let me get this out because yeah. or there's this new T cell effect that was I just saw this morning, which is you don't have to have antibodies. You're we have actually have leftover T cells that are are, are work against the virus uh, because they've been uh, impacted by other viruses that are similar. So, like they, you know, they you uh, you had a flu in the past that was sort of similar to this one. So you have these T cells, so they're sort of effective. And I assume the argument is that this also explains the incredible variegation between people. Some people are asymptomatic. Some people have it really bad. And it de- would, I guess, depend on their T cell levels, but it would also depend on why the virus really isn't doing what as bad as as isn't being as vicious as we expected it to to be. Well, on the first point of it becoming less lethal, that kind of thing in principle could result in principle. I'm not saying it would make sense here, but could result from social distancing. I mean, the easier transmissibility is for a virus the more it can afford to evolve toward lethality. And in fact, during the AIDS epidemic, more I think they, they showed that more lethal strains evolved in areas where there was more sexual promiscuity because the easier it is for the virus to transmit itself, the more it can afford to discard hosts, in effect kill them, right. uh, and still get itself transmitted. Whereas if it's hard to transmit itself, uh, as it is during lockdown, it's not crazy to think. I mean, I'd, I'd have to think this through, but, but as a generic point, yes, it can, it, it, that can favor the selection of strains okay. that are less lethal oh, because, okay. because their hosts have to last longer okay. before they get a chance to yeah, transmit. Okay. Themselves. That explains it to me. Thank you. The, I did get a, a, a response on Twitter from a guy who knows what he's talking about. Who oh. said, who said no, he said, we've been waiting for the smallpox virus to get milder for, centuries yeah. it hasn't done it yeah uh, I mean, so yeah, it sometimes doesn't happen one thing that's happening is that if you compare the slope of decline of uh deaths per day and the slope representing um new cases per day deaths are declining faster than new cases there's more and more so in other words the ratio of uh cases to deaths per day is growing. And I think that's one thing. I mean, as for the thing actually burning out, uh, as far as the virus actually disappearing before you to mur- uh, herd immunity, I think that's close to, that's unlikely to an extent it's close to impossible. But I think we're just going to get better and better what at a- keep, keeping it from translating into, well, I- into death. Well, I-, I was thinking that maybe one of the reasons that, the deaths have gone out as we've gotten better at treating it. In other words, we yeah. now, we've learned on the fly. We now know don't put everybody in hospitals because that just becomes, they become centers of disease. Right. Uh, Barricade and, the nursing homes. And, and we've, and, uh, and maybe we, we've learned something about the use of drugs and ventilators and, well, they're not, uh, they're not overusing ventilators as much as they were. They are using remdesivir, I think. And there is that one study suggests that that will reduce the death rate, and, and meanwhile, there's another therapy coming online, you know, the blood plasma. They take the blood plasma from people right. who have had it, and they're learning more about that. A study right. came then, out last have, week. But that wouldn't, that wouldn't be enough to affect the statistics we're seeing now. 
No, but what I'm saying is you can expect this to be the solution that uh, of sorts. I mean, people will still die, but in uh, but the ratio of deaths to cases will drop. Right. Right. So, the, so the price you have to pay to get to herd immunity will drop. Like they just found out from some study, they confirmed that you want your blood plasma ideally from a male over 35. Uh, they younger younger people apparently. They don't have to work up so many antibodies to fight the thing off, so they uh, their blood plasma is not worth as much. Um, and oh. so they're learning things like that. They're just going to okay. get. They're just going to get better. Over th- better you're treatment. saying over thirty five is old. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just I'm saying. Just, I have to adjust my worldview for that. Yeah. Well, um, you are over thirty five. That's um, one way to look yeah, at it. No, that's, there you the, go. The, um, um, so, but here, but what? But go ahead, finish your thought. Um, no, I think that's about it. I think that's already starting to happen. By the way, quick, I'm sorry, but another little uh, statistical uh, uh, seminar regarding remdesivir. It turns out, remember the whole thing about statistical significance? It wasn't quite statistically significant, so they just said it's not statistically significant, even though it's very close, so that's actually meaningful. Well, it turns out they stopped the study um, because uh, once once they they were satisfied enough that it was effective, that they they decided, and these are people, this is Anthony Fauci's call, ultimately, because it was done by his group, his his division, and... um, they stopped the study because once they think uh, something is clearly uh, saving lives, they think it's unethical to keep denying right. it to the people right. in the half of right. the study. Right. So if they if they kept it going longer, um, it, it might well have have been officially statistically significant. Um, in which case, it might be more widely used. I don't know, but that's like a weird little quirk. Um, I don't. I don't quite understand what. Fauci has it against chloroquine, uh, since all, since I, my impression is, you know, all the studies that show that when you give it in hospitals, it doesn't work very well. But everybody says if you give it early, you know, it might have some effect. And and Fauci seems to be just dismissing it totally on the basis of the hospitalization studies. And it seems to me, well, uh, here's a more open mind is is called for. And I have bad news for you. The World Health Organization was conducting an actual controlled study of hydroxychloroquine. Right. And they stopped it because you remember the study I critiqued last week when I said this is not a controlled study? Yeah. I mean, obviously, right. people who get, get the thing are probably in worse shape to begin with, so it's not surprising that there's a right. higher death rate. It was right. a retrospective analysis. Right. Well, well, the WHO, I don't think this was so much the WHO's call because I think it's, you know, as is often the case with the WHO, it's to some extent a slave of its constituents. And in this case, I think the various doctors at various hospitals who were, who were doing the study, some of them looked at that faulty unreliable study I complained about and said, wait a second, this is killing people. It's unethical to continue our controlled study, even though there were no signs that the hydrochloroquine group was dying in larger numbers in the controlled study. So they abandoned what would have finally given us probably reliable a word about hydrochloroquine. And now I don't know if we're going to ever have a good study. I didn't know that. That's, um, that's no, very it's really, it's really, it's really bad. The um, I've always well, I've always liked Fauci because 
I, I told did I have I told this anecdote? I once this, asked this him about my This is not where I embarrass you in front of him. No, right? I once asked him one. about my I, I I knew his assistant and I ran into him once and I asked him about my allergies and he said, "Well, we don't know that much about allergies." And since he was the leading allergist in the United States at the time, yeah. I thought it was it, it it spoke very well of him that he knows what he doesn't know. He said, well, that, "I know everything line. about I know everything about allergies, and believe me, we don't know much." That's kind of his line. <laughs> I and mean, they say, "What about these models?" And he's like, "Models, schmodels." You know? Yeah. So why is he taking this hard line on chloroquine? I mean, he doesn't know about chloroquine. Why didn't you say, "This is what we know. It doesn't look good, but let's keep let's keep." Well, well he's not the one testing. who called off the study. Technically, he was agnostic. Um, which was the right thing to be. There had not been good controlled studies. He hasn't been agnostic in the last quote I saw from him. Well, um, I, I, I do so, think there's been a general dearth of good evidence yeah. to believe it does work, but... Yes, except that chart that you held up. Which chart? Of New York hospitalization. Well, that was, that was like several inferences away from... Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, the But I, I don't quite understand. You say it can't peter out on its own without achieving herd immunity. So what does it mean to get the RO below one? It doesn't mean achieving herd immunity, does it? You can you can you can do that purely by social distancing. And um, I guess it could come back, but well, if you, you know, I, there are whole societies uh, well, I mean, that don't have herd immunity, oh, like sure, I no, think I, South Korea, where there isn't the virus because because they've snuffed it out by getting actually, the RO low enough. There's another flare up in South Korea, but in principle, yes, you can extinguish it. What I mean is, in our society, given our the nature of our society and the current leadership, it's not going to get extinguished through contact tracing and all that. It's not going to happen. We have we have, um, you know, we're we're going for herd immunity either via vaccine or what about the T cells. Now I, I missed. I, I I'm sorry. I, I I must have lapsed. I didn't get your T cell thing. Is it worth reiterating, or will our audience be bored? The T cells is a way that the virus is fought off naturally without having the antibodies. It's another antiviral mechanism your body has. We've now reached the limits of Mickey's medical knowledge. Now, is that, does that happen but within the cells? Because I have the faintest. When I idea. heard the thing on the radio about how young people don't need a lot of antibodies, what they said was they fight it off. Inside the cells, or something, and uh, that's I assume all I know. T cells are fighter cells in your bloodstream that go yeah, around killing things. Yeah, I would think T cells are not inside of cells. That, but, um, that would be too. The, uh, but I guess the argument would be, uh, we may have enough natural T cells, which is sort of like herd immunity, but without getting the virus and exposing ourselves. And I guess the second thing would be. Maybe we can spur the production of T cells in people that don't have them in a way that I guess that's just another therapy. So, uh, but anyway, it just seems to be this was a third way, Bob. And as, as you know, I'm looking for third you're, ways. You're always in favor of the third way. Yeah. This is no, this no labels. The, no labels. This is, the, this is the Tony Blair of anti pandemic strategies. Yeah. Okay. So, so the other way I'd characterize this week. Oh, by the way, what was the... I mean, two things happened. We reached this big threshold midweek. 100,000 deaths. And by the way, do you know why the New York Times did its big 100,000 deaths threshold? Did you see the front page of the New York Times on Sunday? Yes, I assume it's... Why did they do that three days before we actually reached the threshold? Well, A, it's Sunday, so they got to do it on a Sunday because that's their big day. Uh, And B... 
uh, they didn't want to get beaten, and C, they probably thought we were going to achieve it by sun achieve it in quotes by Sunday. It's not an achievement, and uh, and and it in fact went slower than they expected. But to Trump world, it looks like they're dancing on the graves, right? I mean, it looks like they're so eager to throw it in his face that they run it three days ahead, right? Well, that's probably true. Well, but uh, they they're definitely eager to throw it in his face, but it, you know it, it's legitimate to throw it in his, in his face. So. Yeah, it's just a little weird to run the story three days before it's true. It was a little weird. They were jumping the gun. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, think, I think you're right. I think they calculated, I, like, uh, we can advance, like, it's going to be either Sunday or Memorial Day, and we don't want to do it on Memorial Day and something, and then... Well, it's pretty awful if 99,999 people die, so no, it's, it is. it's defensible. Uh, okay, okay. Maybe I'm too... Uh, again, this is another alarming sign that I'm moving to the right. I'm looking you're being a Karen. I'm, or uh, Becky. What, what's that? Maybe you're being a Becky. Now you're being a Becky. Not well, we a have to find out what a Becky is. Um, I think maybe Beckys are younger for one thing, but I don't know. Um, okay. As long as it's not a Partridge Family reference, that's was there a Becky in the in the Partridge Family? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> well, so <then. laughs> uh, anyway, so the general thing too seems to be that, uh, as with last week, but even more so, the anti-lockup forces are sort of winning the day and. The, it, it, at least on, in my web stream, which which trends, you know, very much to the uh, to the right, uh, the the pro lockdown forces like myself are on the defensive, and we're saying, "Well, don't you understand? It was still worthwhile to have the lockdown, even if now it's okay to lift it." And uh, they're not having any of this, but it's a very self selected group. It seems to me completely clear that the lockdown had a big effect, certainly in the New York area. I don't see how you read what happened any other way. The curves were, were headed just like straight up. They did lock down. And as you would expect, a few weeks later, it changed. I don't know what you can imagine would have changed that trajectory short of herd immunity uh, if lockdown is not what did it. I, I just well, people are, Yeah. Uh, well, but, no, but the people that say, well, we're closer to herd immunity than you think. The asymptotic rate, as, asymptomatic well, rate, it, yeah, is actually much little, higher. They cite this guy Michael Levitt, who I referred to, who says it burns out after two weeks on its own. Uh, I, so I don't even know what that means. Argument. I don't even know what that means. And I mean, they would also argue that in-home transmission means that lockdowns have a, a negative effect as well as a positive effect. He's a statistician. He looks at all the he looks at all the epidemics and mm-hmm. sees a statistical pattern. He, he, I'm not sure he knows what causes it, but that doesn't mean it's an invalid exercise. Mm. So, the other thing I'd say about this week is like the world does seem to be coming apart at the seams. Not just, I mean, there is the. I mean, right now in the short term, you know, the the Minneapolis thing kind of makes it seem like that. Um, and then, and then there's the, uh, well, on the international scene, it seems to me this is the week where the Cold War with China became close to official. Uh, the, the, it, this is, this train is going to be hard to stop for various reasons. Yeah, um, there's an interview with Steve Bannon in the China Wire, I think, which yeah. uh, my friend John Ellis recommended, mm. uh, where he, he, he talks, it's obviously all about China. And he says uh, he basically fra- he he frames the Hong Kong crackdown as a Munich-like moment. He doesn't use the word Munich, but he says we have to react strongly now, or else we're headed for a kinetic war. 
Yeah, now he says that kind of stuff all the time. Uh, Here, I've got, I've got a little also, Bannon. I've got a little Bannon characterization I, for you. You should read this interview because it's grist for your okay. mill. Here, in case you're wondering how bad the regime in Beijing is, got a little Bannon for you here. Dan D'Amico, we're engaged in an economic war on the most evil power that's ever walked the earth, the Chinese Communist Party. We're going to return. That would be the most evil power, Mickey. If anybody ever asked you who was worse, Hitler or Xi Jinping, you now know the correct answer. Um, hey, I have a question quickly. You know Steve Bannon, right? I've met him. I mean... Do you think he believes the obviously untrue things he says? Uh, I I don't know. You know, he was he, on this in this article. He says China is the number one issue. China and trade are why we won the election. You know, and and I'm over here in the corner saying immigration. It seems to be like that was a little bit of an issue, uh, and it seemed like Steve Bannon thought immigration was a little bit of an issue. Uh, so I'm I'm I am suspicious that he is. Worldview is swayed by his source of funding. Yeah, he's currently getting uh, money uh, from this uh, guy who doesn't want to be extradited not, back to China. Not, yeah. not that he doesn't believe it. Uh, well, that's because, the question. You know, I mean, if, but uh, but but he, you know, it's a skew. I mean, he's he, obviously he, always been. Doesn't it seem he is getting more attention? The uh, just over the last few weeks. I mean, I started talking about him a long time ago on our podcast. Well, we well, sure wrote because. About it. Because China is, is making a very – A, they started this virus, and B, they've cracked down on Hong Kong. Why would China not – why would he not be getting more attention? Right. I mean, here's – here's uh, I mean, that it's, – it's the Hong Kong thing that seems to me to, to, to mean we pretty much close to reach the point of no return. Um, and, you know, the administration reacts in a way that doesn't seem like an actual serious attempt to, to get the uh, – the uh, China to stand down. I mean, you know, you wouldn't. It's like uh, you know, Pompeo just kind of retaliates rather than um, you know try to get together with allies and ask if there's some combination of. No, leverage. I mean, one of the things Bannon proposes in this in this article, which doesn't seem crazy to me, is we should protest to the United Nations and make a big stink in the Security Council, call for a special meeting, uh, defy China to block it. And I guess Russia would block it for them, but um, don't don't you need two these days? I forget. Anyway, no, you only he, need one. No, China China could block it. China's on the Security Council. No, no, I understand, but his argument is that China would be too embarrassed to block it, so they'd have to get a friend to do it for them. Uh, but uh, the uh, anyway, make a make a big huge stink about it, and instead, our reaction is obviously going to be a little feckless at the current moment. Maybe we have a long term defense buildup that will be something meaningful, but. Uh, we're not gonna. We're not gonna take the stand at Munich that you know some people say should have been taken. Wait, what do you mean? We're not gonna do what? We're not gonna say this shall not stand, China. This means war. Don't go to you know. Don't. Well, we're not know. gonna. We're not gonna invade for God's sake. But no, it, it's the Cold War that is now almost officially on. Um, it, it's it's. Well, I think you were I mean, saying. I thought you were saying that our reaction was a little weak, which I think it is. No, no, it was just stupid. So what Pompeo did was, like, declare that uh, Hong Kong is no longer autonomous. And basically, as I understand, when we say that, um, that has implications ultimately. When, when you know, I don't know if he used the exact official language, but the upshot is um, the special 
financial status Hong Kong has in our law even, which makes it an interface with the Chinese economy in important ways is like kaput. That's that's what he is signaling. And what I'm saying is, look, you got to decide, first of all, is that something China doesn't want? It's definitely bad for the people of Hong Kong if we do that. But is it is it so bad that China doesn't want it to happen? If it if it is, th- then what you would do is, uh, you know, you probably wouldn't say we've already done it. You would signal to China, we will do this if you don't stand down. And then you would ask yourself, is it more effective to signal publicly, which may have the downside of putting them in a situation where, where, where they're afraid to lose face and back down? Or should we send it to them privately? Should we get together with allies and, 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 and get their level levers on board, you know, add up all our levers? But I'm just saying this administration does not think through diplomatic problems like that. It's just like well, a bunch of 13-year-olds. We don't know if... You don't, we don't know if, if Pompeo contacted them privately first or not, do we? Oh, I think there's almost no chance. This but, guy is like such a loose cannon and so well, dishonest. And so, you know, you know what I, you know what I realized is that, um, you know, I knew he had, he had said this thing about, uh, you know, there's enormous evidence that this virus came from the laboratory in Wuhan. They said, well, where's the evidence? And he's like, blah, blah. You know, he doesn't have any, but he also said at the same time, he said, the best experts so far seem to think it was man-made. That's a quote. And that's just a total lie. That's not even close to the truth. And he said it by, by when he said it, the consensus had congealed among virologists. There is no way this is man-made. The guy he, just makes shit up. He's as bad as Trump except a little more purposeful this, in the way he lies. This did this 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 statement about Hong Kong not being independent, it had that Trump equality of saying, uh, saying, I am doing this thing, it's done, but you don't really mean you've done this thing because then you're, you're, you're leaving room to usually back off two days later. And it's sort of a form of bluff threat that's, you know, that's not, not phrased sort of in a, in a straightforward fashion. It's phrased in, you know, I, I've or I'm going to impose trade sanctions on Mexico. And then you sort of say, well, they seem to be coming around, so maybe I won't impose trade sanctions on Mexico. So it, it wasn't really a well. That's, that's Trump's mo, but I don't think it's Pompeo's. I think Pompeo is trying to make this a fait accompli. Huh. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, or maybe Trump will talk him out of it, and they'll try to negotiate. Anyway, it's going to be hard to get China to stand down at this point. I mean, they wouldn't have announced this um, if they if they uh, were really in the mood to negotiate. I mean, my one question is. Uh, if Trump had not seemed so hostile to China so often, would they have gotten to the point of doing this? In other words, has the has has Beijing just decided you just can't deal? You know, Trump is hopeless. We might as well go all out and crack down on Hong Kong. What's the difference? He's declared war on us um, because you know he really he really has. Um, and there, there's still a lot of things. I think I think that doesn't make sense to me. He, there's still a lot of trade benefits, et cetera, that are still uh, in place that could go away. Oh, and we're sure. not at a Cold War yet. So it, I, 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 this has to have been an internal calculation by China that it's more important to quell this dissent and screw Hong Kong no. and, and, and promote these other regions as the financial centers. Uh, now, there's more he could do, but what I mean is... I mean, in America, we just, you know, are not generally good at adopting the perspective 
other countries that we're messing with. And, like, if you look at this Huawei thing, okay, so it's one thing to say, like, their network, we, we maybe don't want a Chinese firm building our 5G network because, in principle, they could screw around with software. It isn't just about the hardware. And maybe down the road, they could do some fine. But Trump is clearly... From their point of view, the only conclusion to reach is it's not just about the 5G network. He is bent on destroying Huawei. You can't sell their smartphones in America. He, he, you can't put Android on the phones, which is that's what their business model was built on. And now, uh, just this last week or so, he said uh, you can't sell Huawei chips, not just made in America, but I think that have American intellectual property on them. And that's like a total, I mean, if if China did this combination of things with like Microsoft or GM, we would conclude they are trying to destroy this company for reasons we don't understand. And it why would be war, and we wouldn't sit for it. It would be, it would be all out why economic that, war. Why isn't that obvious l- leverage on the 5G issue? What do you mean? I don't know. I guess, I, I, does he does he have any reasonable expectation they would stop pushing their five G system? Well, he banned it. I mean, I mean, no, they're not um, going to do five G in America. He took care of that, but that's not enough. He but also the rest of the world. He also has indicted like the daughter of the founder. She's in Canada facing possible extradition to the U.S. He, you know, by all any rational person would conclude that this isn't just about the 5G network. He wants to destroy... I mean, certainly anybody in China would reasonably conclude he's picked out one of the most important companies in China and he wants to destroy it. Now, now you may say, well, China deserves it. Fine. All I'm saying is if, if somebody did that to an American company, it would be much discussed and there would be epic retaliation. And he's been behaving like that for a long time. What's epic retaliation? Well, e- economic retaliation. I mean, we would say this is it. This is all out economic war. Uh, and I'm just but saying. China can't, China can't say that. This is Trump's perception that we're in the driver's seat. China needs us more than we need them. They're not going to declare this is it. This I, I is think, the end of relations. I think what they're doing in Hong Kong says they have concluded that they don't need us, or at least they've given up on our being a reliable partner anyway. And so screw it. Well, they have the Tiananmen Square, uh, precedent where uh, we we need them, and and we're we're going to come back, and and they're going to get away with it. It's not like they're committing themselves. So, okay, we're they, having a cold war anyway. Uh, they be, they think they can get away with it without having a cold war, like they did in Tiananmen Square. How well, did, it's a very how, different how, administration how, they're dealing with, uh, and and, for, and very different for, forces are afoot for another seven months. Well, that may be their hope. That may be their hope. Um, cl- but but if so, what? Well, clearly they hope that. Well, it raises the question of like, um, what are they do? Uh, you know, are they do? Are they thinking about things they might do that would increase the chances that Biden gets elected? I haven't thought that through, but yeah, they'd be in better shape if if Biden were elected. But you know, I, I do think at this point, the 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 horse may be out of the barn. I, I mean, because for one thing, Biden has signed on in his campaigning to the. Uh, to some of the anti-China vibe, but we'll see. Well, a vibe is a vibe. That's just what he does to get elected. It doesn't mean he's going to do anything once he's in office. Although one of his key advisors apparently has shifted to a more anti-trade position, Jake Sullivan. Really? Uh, That's interesting. uh, I read that somewhere, so it must be true. I'm not sure Uh, it even helps him get elected. I think the way he's... 
the way he's signing on to the China thing and accusing Trump of kowtowing the Chinese kind of implicitly affirms Trump's whole narrative that the virus is China's fault, which means it's not Trump's fault. But anyway. Um, so you think it's counterproductive? It must. They must have poll tested these things, Bob. It must work. He must sense he's weak on China, and if he hangs a lantern on his, you know, if he if he doesn't hang a lantern, but if he hits hard on his weak spot, then he's shored up and says, "No, I'm tough on China. You're the weak one." You know, that's uh, sort of schoolyard yeah. politics 101. Yeah, but these are more oblique effects. Like, uh, you know, does that does that lead everyone to conclude that actually this is much more China's fault than Trump's? I don't, I don't know how they, t- right. they poll test right. that. No, that's true. So what's your Wait, current take on Biden's chances? The current take is that, you know, I I, um, I, I think this is a conventional wisdom. It, it, you know, Trump doesn't look like he has a strategy. He's sort of floundering. He doesn't know, uh, you know, he, um, there was this one candidate who, Republican candidate who won in Washington on, on a QAnon platform and I thought well you know that's a winner you might as well go with that right I mean <laughs> he doesn't have any other strategy um, uh, the so he, he sort of they have this they had this the low point was when he said our strategy is see they set us up to fail okay well that's the worst stra- worst campaign theme in the world because you're admitting you failed right it's like insane so the Trump campaign is looking really pathetic at the moment. They're 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 cratering in the polls in certain key groups, not cratering, but they're going down, and and so it, he looks so he looks incredibly beatable, but as but the problem is that Biden looks like the weakest candidate in human memory, uh, physically and and just sort of as a persona, not not ideologically. So it's it's the uh, so, you, so you don't you don't the, think the, you don't think the you ain't black bumper the, sticker is going to do stoppable, it. It's the stoppable. It's the stoppable force meeting the movable object. What happens? I don't know. Um, sorry, I don't think you don't think the you ain't black bumper sticker is the one to go with for Biden. That's that's like a. I was glad we didn't talk about that last time because I don't. It's one of these ephemeral stories. Ah. I, I I was trying to think of what was the story. That we were going to talk about last week that we just missed. Oh, it's that UA Black thing. I'd already forgotten it. But okay? don't, it's like, don't, don't you think it is, if nothing else, a sign that you should worry about Biden every time he opens his mouth? Yes, but it's not like, it's not a big thing. Like, like there's some gaffes that are huge. Like Romney's 46, 46% or 49% gaff was huge. That was, that was a. Hillary's uh, deplorables. Hillary's deplorables was huge, and Obama saying they cling to their guns and their God was huge. Okay, and their that, religion. That's about it. I mean, all the other things are like little, like like you didn't build I, this. All all the other things they're all they they wash away. But, I don't um, think this is this quite is going to wash away. I think a talk they need to have with Biden. I mean, the challenge they face is, you know, if if cognitive performance is the problem, how do you give the guy guidance in a way that is memorable? And sufficiently, like, general to work, right? And I think what they need to say is, don't be feisty. That's like the general guidance that can keep him out of some, uh, much of his trouble comes when he goes into feisty mode, which is, you know, part of his brand. And, but I think he, 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 he relies on it all the more now that people think he's not, he's not on his game because of his age. He, he goes into feisty mode more than ever. And that's when trouble starts. So 
Don't be feisty. That's always been when trouble starts. That's when he starts saying, I have a higher IQ than you do, Bob. Per- or more, or I can do more push-ups. Yeah. So that's um, before he, every time right before the microphone goes on, his wife should whisper in his ear, don't be feisty. Um, uh, I have written in my notes, Biden CW, but I, meaning conventional wisdom, but I haven't the faintest idea what that means. So don't maybe, like me Maybe I either. just uttered it. Um, maybe no, I can hear that. So, but, um, I think it was a new new conventional wisdom wrinkle. But um, oh, what else is I, on I your guess, list? Oh, the C, oh, I know it. The, the, the CW is, and this was in a, in a column by Damon Linker and and Coulter, and I think a couple other people said that you know the Democrats should just keep Biden in the basement. Don't, don't let him out. Well, they've been saying that for they're, a while, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's the conventional wisdom is uh, don't have his wife whisper in his ear just. Just, just you know, he's better off. We don't see him out of sight, out of mind. And, well, and this idea that he has to respond to everything. No, he's doing great without responding. We did a six-minute live him. performance today. Um. So, uh, I anyway that so that's where I am. I think, uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that Trump, you know, and the other thing he's done, I think that Trump's in trouble, and they. You know, my, I think John Ellis, who I rely on a lot for political analysis, thinks there's still a possible campaign of, uh, you know, uh, Charles Murray had this idea that people didn't like Trump. He was just the murder weapon they used to kill the glo- globalist elite. And, uh, uh, and he, that I think Ellis thinks that there is, uh, Trump can revive that saying, Okay, you hate me. I'm I, I'm I'm a screw up in all these ways, but you really don't want to let these guys back. Uh, and and that's certainly one that would resonate with me. Uh, and and so I can be your murder weapon again. And uh, it's that sort of a negative a negative campaign, but not but with a sort of a larger message, which is that the globalist consensus uh, has not had a stake driven through its heart. It takes one more election to do that. Well, and then China would be the focal point of that pitch, presumably. Uh, if it polls well, but there are a bunch of other focal points you could use. You could use trade. You could use immigration. You could use. Uh, uh, I, I, tell the, me this: which which message does the corporate part of the old Republican coalition uh, bridle against more? Is it the immigration message or the Cold War with China? Message. I mean, it's like, you know, Trump can pick on Iran. He can pick on Venezuela. Almost nobody in corporate America cares at all. Sure, like, try to strangle their economies. But when you move to China, he does get resistance from what used to be part of the Republican coalition. My question is, does, does the China thing bother them more than what he says about immigration? You would. That's a very good question. You would. I'm glad you asked that, Bob. Uh, you would think that China would matter more because... Uh, I, I, I assume it's bigger in dollar terms, uh, and uh, I've never understood why the Trumpists don't cut a deal with corporate America, saying, you know, we'll give you trade if you give us a, uh, immigration, which is sort of the rational way to go about it because they both lower wages, but uh, immigration is is permanent and. Uh, and you actually have people living here who you didn't have before. And if you trade with low wage countries, you can always cut it off and you don't have to deal with 
the cultural and fiscal consequences of migration. So uh, it just seems to me that's the logical deal to cut, and corporate America really uh, would be happy with that. Or you could say, you know, I mean, the obvious thing is make Mexico your factory, okay? We have to appease the Mexicans because they're on our border, okay? We have to make them happy. We don't have to make the Chinese happy, so let's do that. And in the autos, that's what actually what was happening. But so... Um, but yet the immigration thing is incredibly persistent. It never goes away. Corporate America never gives up. Uh, and, you know, in Trump's second term, there's going to be another big push for increased immigration and more, uh, you know, and, and another amnesty bill. But what do they? What do they need with more low wage labor labor over the next couple of years? I mean, with the economy in temporary decline, there's going to be plenty of people looking for jobs. And who well, yes, you think, but yet they're still persisting. I mean, there's still the, these uh, six Republican senators wrote, not, sorry, nine Republican senators wrote Trump. They thought secretly, saying, you know, please don't lower the quotas for guest workers coming into America. This would be horrible. Well. If it, when they're 40 million unemployed, if they say that, I mean, there's no time where they're not going to want to, you know, have a huge spigot of foreign labor coming in. So, yeah, you'd think that, but they, they're they're unstoppable. And part of it may be the lobbyists just get paid to do this and they don't really expect to win. But uh, it, 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 they, there's no sense that they they never show any sign of weakness that as they, you know, Jake Sullivan may have switched on trade, but I don't see anybody in Biden switching on immigration. And I guess the answer, which I've just realized, is immigration is the future of the Democratic Party. They see that as changing yeah. the electorate that will ensure their future, and trade doesn't do that for them. Oh, I think so it's, they, it's, they can't give up on trade. It's on clear why it's easier for the Democrats to give up on trade than on immigration as a political yeah. matter. The, the Republican situation is a little less clear. Um, we. Right. You would think that they would realize that, hey, if the Democrats think it's their future, maybe it's not our future, but they don't seem to think that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yes, um, the that brings this brings me to one thing I want to talk about, which is uh, another thing Trump is doing that hurts him. Uh, I, I hope greatly uh, and, and also raises the issue of his second term is uh, his campaign against Jeff Sessions. You know, Jeff mm-hmm. Sessions, Jeff Sessions was his attorney general. He was one of the first, he was the first senator to come out for Trump when nobody else, including the RNC, would give him the time of day. Yep. Uh, Trump rewarded him with attorney general. Trump felt betrayed when he recused himself in the Russia thing. And instead of just firing him, he turned down his resignation, taunted him for a year, then fired him. Then when Sessions tries to get his old seat back where he was previously elected with 90% of the vote, uh, uh, Trump uh, puts the entire weight of his presidency behind this ex-football coach, Tommy Tuberville, uh, who's running against Sessions. And is great, great name, if I could just Apparently, slightly, it would be better if it was Tuberville, but... No, I like Tuberville. Be, okay, anyway, whatever is most embarrassing, but, um, you know, and Trump, he's sort of relentlessly attacking Sessions on Twitter, and Sessions is the... Is the the main guy in immigration. He is the guy who was carrying out Trump's agenda. No, he's a true believer. And that, right. And this shows that Trump cares more about his personal grievances than the actual issue that got him elected and the people who care about the issue and the test. And this is a test where of whether Trump's followers of whom the Alabama Republican electorate probably is a good example 
will basically believe anything Trump says or they have a mind of their own and said, no, 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 Sessions is our guy. He's strong on the issues. Or will they believe that Sessions is horrible because he personally, Trump is pissed at him. Well, and and Sessions, Sessions has decided to crystallize that issue. You, you saw his. Well, he his had no choice. Point. I mean, yeah. Trump was going out. He had no choice. He was previously running as I'm a loyal Trumpist. And Trump said, you know, I hate you. And so Sessions had to. Had to say, I'm sorry. I know you're mad, Mr. President, but I had to recuse myself. He didn't even say, I don't. I don't think he did. He say, I'm sorry. What he said was, I understand your anger, but yeah, it was I a, had no uh, no uh, alternative to recuse, which right. I think is pretty close to true. The law on that was pretty damn clear. I don't on think it's. I don't think it's. I think it's very close. clear. I, well, I think I remember reading the language at the time he recused himself, and unless the there's key, some like asterisk, I'm not aware of. There is an asterisk, which says it has to be a criminal probe, and it was not a criminal probe. In fact, the whole the whole debate over over these uh, this Obamagate thing has been no, they were allowed to ask General Flynn his questions because forget the criminal probe; it was a counterintelligence non criminal probe. So the but answer why, but, se- Sessions' well. answer to that is they would have made it a criminal probe soon enough. So uh, then he would have had to recuse himself. So. Uh, I think Sessions is basically right, but if you read the statute, he's not a hook. And, and ask yourself, would Eric Holder have accused himself? And the answer is no. Uh, Eric Holder would have found a reason to stay on and try to squelch uh, the scandal. Now, I sort of think the scandal was so big, it was unsquelchable. So the best result for Trump is to have Mueller come in, investigate, and find nothing. Uh, if he kept the, tried to keep a lid on it, we'd still be arguing about Russia today. Uh, and you know there, there'd be you, you have to ventilate the issue. So I'm. So I, you think this is going to hurt Trump? The fact that he's taking on. Well, sessions. I think this is the big test. It's a big test. He's alienating half of his base. I hope, but even if he alienates twenty percent of his base, even if he alienates the Ann Coulter part of his base, okay. I, I think it's only his, elites. I think it's only his, elites. He needs care. his whole base, okay. Yeah. He needs a hundred percent of his base, and if he only gets eighty percent, he loses. So, uh, I, I do think, and the other, the other point this raises is it's, it's a test for the second term. Because in the second term, he, the restraints are off, as you know. He doesn't have the restraint of he has to worry about reelection. He doesn't have to appeal to the base because they're the only way he can get reelected. He's gotten rid of everybody in the White House, like Bannon, who might, you know, pose a, a, a restraint on him. Uh, Jared Kushner, who, who, you know, often plays to his worst instincts, and in fact, is some people feel is behind the anti-sessions campaign. Uh, is uh, is 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 in charge basically, and is uh, completely is relatively unrestrained. So, in the second term, when Kushner is still there and in charge, and Trump has no limits, and he feels you know he can get away with anything, uh, what will he do? And if he loses in Alabama, that will show he can't get away with everything. Uh, there are at least some limits. So wait, currently. you're concerned when you imagine a Trump unleashed in the second term, you're concerned that he will turn out not to be truly faithful to the Trump ideology. Is that what you mean? Oh, totally. I mean, well, I he, th- he, he's I already you would argue he, that he was a Trumpist at heart and that you can go back and find him skeptical of immigration and trade decades ago or something. I no, you can't find him on immigration. You could find, you could find him on, on trade. He seems to be a true believer, which, which, uh, 
militates against cutting this deal that you suggested of being yeah. let, well, letting letting trade go through and stopping immigration because he cares more about trade. He does care about the wall. I think he really cares about the wall. But he's constantly saying we need more workers, and he's of two minds. And he he often hints that well, there's a big deal coming by which he means another big, grand, comprehensive amnesty deal. And he keeps letting in more workers. Uh, he, he has an executive order that got watered down by Jared to put a hold on some of the guest worker programs. He's promised to issue a new one, but it hasn't come out yet. I, I doubt that it'll be very good. Uh, so yeah, he's always a threat to sell out of immigration. And, uh, but, but even if he loses in Alabama, that doesn't really solve the problem because he, he still won't really have to suck up to the electorate. I mean, yes, the senators that would have to approve any deal would be subject to the wrath of, uh, of, of the base. And if Trump can no longer control the base, then the senators might be against any sellout deal. But, uh, but so it's only a partial solution, but it's sort of a test. Can, will the base just mindlessly do everything Trump wants them to do? Or do they, you know, have a mind of its, uh, their own? I, I, I keep thinking back to, uh, the New Haven Mall in 1970, I think it was, maybe 1971. I think I've referred to this before when there was a big demonstration to defend the Black Panthers on the, Bobby Seale was on trial for, I think, murder. And, and it was a huge demonstration on the New Haven Mall. And Jerry Rubin was giving some sort of mindless speech, okay? And my friends turned to me and said, you know, this is like fascism. These people will, these people will eat up anything. Were you Jerry there? Rubin. Were you present? I was there. I told my mother I wasn't going to be there, but I went. And, um, uh, Ooh, so now it uh, comes out. Uh, the, um, uh, and, and the, so they were saying, oh, this is like fashion. They'll believe anything Jerry Rubin says. And there was a chant that came up and I said, my God, you're right. And then I heard what the chant was saying and the chant was saying, shut up, shut up. Okay. To so Jerry crowd, Rubin? To Jerry Rubin. The crowd had turned against Jerry Rubin because what he was, what he was saying was such drivel. That's, and the question is, will the Alabama wow. voters, do Alabama voters, will they have a shut up moment? Will they have a moment where they don't buy everything their leaders try to yeah, cram I don't down think their of throat. Connecticut as being uh, Jerry Rubin's home turf, you know. You got a lot of Karens in Connecticut, by the way. A lot There's, of Karens. The, um, but, so, uh, so while you're worrying about a Trump unleashed in the second term not being Trumpian enough, some of us are worried about what is in some ways the opposite, that a Trump unleashed uh, in the second term would be more Trumpist in the sense of authoritarian. I mean, again, only this week he threatened to shoot looters on site and threatened to shut down social media platforms. Well, he'll shut down Twitter he always, if he doesn't like it. The key, But the, the key threat to my mind, was whether Trump would obey a court order. And so far, he's obeyed all of them, perhaps a little yeah, too slavishly. Yeah, but it's the first term. It's the first term. He needs to get reelected. He needs to act that like a law-abiding okay, citizen. That's, my fe- that's what I'm saying. But it may also be that he's a law-abiding citizen. You don't know. Uh, he, <laughs> no, I you know, know. He, he's not a law-abiding citizen. No, he seems He seems to, def- you know, he, he issues he has, this... He's violated the law in countless ways he, his whole career. He issues career. this social media edict... Yeah. And and it seems strong. It's actually not that strong. And then they say, well, it'll be challenged in court. He said, well, it'll be challenged in court. We'll see what they say. He doesn't say, I will do this whether or not the court 
uh, tries to stop me or not. Well, they'll say, two- we'll see what they say. So that's his modus operandi as Jack Schaefer wrote. He has a bluff. And then his bluff is called by the courts, and and it turns out to just be a bluff. I mean, it's, well, it's, again, it's, he's, all of this he, stuff. He's he's a really bad Hitler. <laughs> That's yeah. He should you should blurb his next book. Um, the it's it's. Uh no, but that's what I mean. Again, will he obey court orders? You know, in in a, in a second term. I mean, and the Twitter thing had two parts. Okay, there there is the on the one hand, um, he's calling for a review of Section two thirty, which currently is a, is a, is part of a law that insulates social media platforms against the kinds of lawsuits conventional publishers face if if like they're some author published by a publisher um you know commits uh commits libel um you know social media platforms are insulated against that he's uh he's calling for a review of 230 uh and 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 that may be what you're referring to when you say so far that doesn't have that much teeth because for one thing I don't think the law is that unclear. I mean, I think 230 says what it says, and I don't see how the FCC and FTC or what whoever can claim otherwise right. after this review. But I'm just saying he also casually said he will shut them down. Now, he, that's probably more than he would do in a second term. But um, in general, I, I think you can I mean, expect you can expect him to any, fulfill more threats in a second has term. Any, has any pledged to, to uh, punish Amazon? And last I heard, Amazon was doing much better than it was at the beginning of Trump's term. So Amazon thinks it was denied a Pentagon contract uh, well, by him, which is okay was. with me, actually. But uh, but what did it, you it, think of the... Do so, we agree that, that uh, Jack Dorsey demonstrated this week that rumors that he was... Uh, he is not the sharpest knife in the drawer were corroborated by his deciding to pin that label on Trump's tweet? Um, how do you mean? And then I'll say how I mean. Well, I, mean, I, I think, do, does he not understand that, first of all, this just helps Trump, plays into his narrative, uh, and B, it's like the tweet he labeled is one of those tweets where it's not quite a fact. I mean, Trump, as I recall, was asserting something that I don't agree with, he, but Trump, Trump was saying, look, if you do mail, you know, ballot by mail, inevitably there will be substantial corruption. Well, that's... Not quite a factual matter. I think he's wrong, but uh, I, I guess I what I'd right. say. Well, yeah, and you think he's right. That's what I mean. That's how far it is from being unarguably false, which is yeah. what you would think should be the prerequisite for doing the extraordinary thing of pinning some kind of warning label on he it. He picked a weird. He picked a weird tweet to. to we well, should have gone with the Joe Scarborough tweet. Yes, totally. That, exactly. I mean, that, that's what I mean by Dorsey is not a tactical genius. Well, I mean, but there must have been some reason why he did it i think he maybe felt the joe scarborough thing would be too cathected and this maybe he was wrong i agree no it's perfect because who can who can sympathize with trump you know the more you look into the joe scarborough thing you know first of all it's not politically charged in the way that the ballot by mail thing is it's not as obviously a partisan position that dorsey would be taking and secondly it's just more defensible it's it's like the scarborough thing is bullshit here's well bob yeah, I do. I do. I, I claim to have a constructive suggestion for the section for the, the, the social media debate, but we'll get to that. But first, I have a scurrilous, unconstructive suggestion. I mean, yeah, we, let's we, lead we, with we, that. We talk, Definitely. We talk on. We talk honestly here. Right. We're, this is like water cooler talk. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I check, you know, Scarborough did not murder this person, okay? It's it's irresponsible for Trump to Uh-oh. suggest it. He never should have said it. Uh-oh, People that was, in Florida. If, if that was the to-be-sure paragraph. I'm kind of right. afraid of what's going to happen well, to come sh- next. To, uh-huh. No, it, it, people in Florida thought Scarborough did not cooperate with the police investigation as much as he should, and then he resigned and left town, okay? So what does that tell you? It raises suspicions, okay? Uh, there, there, there is not an accident that people that, that, that this incident drew attention and caused people to speculate. It's and it doesn't necessarily reflect well on Scarborough if, in fact, he didn't cooperate with the police. There are all sorts of reasons he might not cooperate with the police. I don't know what they are. He wasn't in town that day. He didn't murder the girl. So it's 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 ridiculous to suggest. Are but, you saying he may have had her murdered, Mickey? No, I don't know what. No, I doubt very much doubt that. But the 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 point is, it's all these people say this is completely groundless. There's nothing to this. It's a little too strident, uh, uh, and okay, you know, as as, as 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 to paraphrase Arnold Schwarzenegger, where there's he said where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say where there's smoke, there's smoke. But there's said, smoke. yeah, right. There were howdy Hollywood sets. Um, so, uh, uh, that so, was a, br- so then a brilliant what's the, what's statement. What's the non-scurrilous thing um, you're going to say about social media? Well, if you're going to, I mean, I, I see the section 230 thing as a, as just a cudgel. He has him by the balls. He thinks if you could change section two, if you change section 230, they go out of business. So you, you sort of, you sort of have a leverage over them. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a debate of, or, well, they're private companies. They can decide to do what they want. Uh, and I say that's fine, but what about transparency? In other words, uh, show us, make public your algorithm. Mm-hmm. Show us mm-hmm. the basis on which you make this. And you can say, we have this algorithm, you know, it, it disfavors conservatives. We hate conservatives. We're a liberal organization. That's fine. That's your First Amendment right. Just show us the algorithm. You can say, uh, we make our decisions. We gather the most woke Millennials, yeah. we can find in our organization, and we have them go through the tweets uh, one by one, and they hand delete the ones they don't like. Fine, that's your right. You can do that if you want to be Twitter like that. That's fine, but we just want the public to know what the what really creates the paranoia is that there's a secret algorithm that we don't mm-hmm. know about that says you know if you like this person and that person likes you, your tweets get demoted and. uh it seems to me requiring transparency is a reasonable price for this exceptional uh, section. Is it Section 230? I don't want to get it yeah. wrong. Yeah, it's section 230. 230 oh, the communications uh, decency. Protection yeah. from normal liability. If you want to play by the same rules as everybody else, fine. Then don't be transparent. But if you want the, the price of this special safe harbor is you be transparent. That seems like a fair deal. Now, you're preaching the choir. I mean, I've advocated transpa- algorithm transparency for uh, in a somewhat different way. I, I guess maybe not with you, but on some com- podcast conversation with somebody. And I keep meaning to try to write the piece, but but it, it was in the context of like, look, just we as users deserve to know what is the algorithm that's pushing and pulling our emotions and trying to get us addicted to various things that may or may not be good and the form I imagine it taking. I mean, first of all, if Facebook like shows you the algorithm, it would be Greek to most of us. But, but if, if, 
this other thing happened, which is okay. They have to be transparent with the algorithm, but then companies, you know, they have to create like an API so that companies can build apps on the algorithm. Then other companies would come up with a version of a Twitter app where it like lets me dial things up and dial things down. Like, uh, I, I don't know what, it, what exactly the dimensions would be, but like a company could say, uh, do you want to get enraged more often, less often? Do you want to get this? Do you want to get that? And, and so different dashboards would be offer, offered that gave us the control. But I'm totally on board with why, algorithm transparency. It's the why, least we can ask. Why wouldn't, uh, Twitter, desi- Twitter, I would think actually, You've given them an idea. They should design that on their own. Well, Twitter in the past has been pretty possessive. Like, uh, they, at one point, they made it harder for third parties to create their own Twitter apps. This was years and years ago. But, um, I think it would be a good way out of their, their, uh, well, quandary. You, but they could disclose it without letting every developer in the world, you know, do their own the thing, other right? thing, can I say one other thing? If Twitter is serious, about wanting to be a less pernicious force. If if, if that if their conscience, their social conscience, is actually what's driving them to put warning labels on Donald Trump tweets, well, I would recommend an alternative approach, which is to fix their damn algorithm at, at some price to themselves. It would cost them uh, uh, actual money because it would mean sacrificing quote engagement. In other words, getting people addicted to furiously retweeting. What do you mean, fix their algorithm? Make it less responsive to emotional contagion. Like, I, I is don't it, know. Is the Twitter algorithm that resp- I know the Facebook thing is, but is the Twitter algorithm that responsive to emotional contagion? Look, Trump tweets, he gets a lot of followers. Well, well, how do you stop that? Well, Trump himself claims that the algorithm doesn't favor him as much as it used to. But he's but, probably right. I think the algorithm may, is, is maybe. But the but, algorithm is probably doing what you want it to do. He's, he's it's tamping down well, right. emotion. It's just failing. Fine. If that's the case, fine. It should be generic. It shouldn't be partisan. It should generically tamp down. Like for example, they might they might say when people retweet one second after seeing the tweet, that doesn't boost the tweet as much as someone who retweets. 15 seconds later, because that suggests that they paused and reflected. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out. But I'm just saying, if Twitter wants to get serious uh, about addressing this, they should think about the algorithm and be willing to lose money. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Twitter can't afford to lose money. I don't think it's making much money. The the problem with with my solution, at least, maybe not yours, is if Twitter said, this is our algorithm, see, it doesn't disfavor conservatives or or even if twitter said this is our algorithm it does slightly disfavor conservatism conservatives still would be paranoid we wouldn't believe and i wouldn't believe that they still don't have 20 something millennials who are manually screwing us over uh i mean i think back to uh early early on in the development of twitter when people like Alyssa milano and britney spears were very important to Twitter because they had like celebrity Ashton Kutcher with a big one, celebrity Twitter accounts. Okay, and you look at their followers. You look at Britney Spears' followers, and they would be, you know, ninety nine of a hundred would be saying nice things about Britney Spears. Okay, and then you think of American adolescents on the ca- on the couch with the response with the opportunity and the power to respond to Britney Spears. Are ninety nine of a hundred going to be nice? No, they were obviously censoring. Britney Spears's followers, so the nasty things didn't show up. 
And I tweeted this and, and other friends of mine said, oh, no, it's all it's all a neutral algorithm. And I said, no, no, I think they have manually they have assigned a person to each celebrity to be their minder and to censor their Twitter feed personally, not with an algorithm. And that that's the way they keep. And, and, and this is my, the high point of my Twitter life. Alyssa Milano said, uh, it was, it wasn't being run by Jack then. It was being run by the other guy, the, the, the Dev. guy who, fu- Dev. Dev. Um, Dev. Dev. It's been running, it's been, right. It's been founded by, it's being, um, it was run by Ev and Alyssa Milano said, Ev, is that true? Are they really doing that to my Twitter feed? Are they censoring my, my negative comments? And Ev responded saying, that guy has a negative view of human nature, okay? Ooh. Which is a non-denial, if there ever was one. Uh, so the answer is yes, they were manually going through and censoring uh, negative comments about celebrities. And if they can do that, they can manually go through and sensitive and censor, you know, Mike Cernovich or, or all, all the other conservatives who think think they're being discriminated against. So even if they were transparent, I would think they were cheating. So you'd have to, they'd have to be more than transparent. They would have to be subject to liability if it turned out that they were not following the algorithm that they transparently admitted to. And like I say, they could say, oh, we have millennials go through manually and censor conservatives. That's fine. But then they'd have to admit to it. Well, we agree on algorithm transparently, transparency. I, now I have my own grievance against Jack Dorsey. I'm going to save it until next week to keep people just tuning in. It's really, it's, it's, uh, it's really worth tuning in for, believe me. But, but. Your Jack Dor, is it involve intermittent fasting? No. Okay. I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna hint at what it is. I want people to be, spend the rest of the week, like, exploring the, the, the possible. You'll probably forget it. You won't, uh. There is that danger. Well, that's all the more dramatic tension. People wonder, will I forget it by next week? <laughs> will I forget that I promise it? But look, Mickey, you know, in 10 minutes, my agent is gonna call. You know, I thought five o'clock would be safe, but then again, I naively assumed that we would both um, <clears throat> show up on time for the podcast. So, well, the answer is I, I took ten minutes to get rid of the chirping sound. Oh, did you kill the smoke alarm? Well, that that leads us directly into viewer feedback, viewer and listener feedback. You want to do some of that? They complained sure. about your smoke alarm, uh, which I hadn't noticed. But I haven't admitted that it's my smoke alarm. I think you pretty much did. You just noticed it has disappeared. I think we can infer that <laughs> at least as confidently as you can infer that there were millennials uh, ever monitoring Twitter for on on Twitter's behalf. Uh, so. First of all, you know, the name sweepstakes continues. Pangolin Pals. Um, some guy named Bend- Bendamite uh, nominated three, the best of which is perhaps Brovid19. I guess we would be the bros. I'm not sure that's in the... I'm not sure that's in the cards. <laughs> Boomers of Doomcast? That's not bad. You think? Boomers of hey, Doomcast? Hey, He's got Doomcast as two words. Should it be? Anyway, I, I, that, now that's, that's, I don't know. But you know, are, are you, st- is, is Pangolin, is Pangolin Delight still in the running? Uh, it, it's in my running. Okay. Because I, I just, I have a little treat for you. So, you know, I was saying we could maybe adapt the song Afternoon Delight to be our theme song. 
I thought so, you were gonna say that. I thought you were gonna say that there's a bakery somewhere that no. Nope. Well, oh, Pangolin oh, it turns delights. out there is. I sent you that one of the one of the one of our someone in our audience noted that there's somebody uh, who's uh, what is it a GoFundMe or a, a, a whatever one of the crowdsourcing platforms has got a, a Pangolin delight thing, but that's different. It's like a bakery. That's different or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's not okay. us. We're the podcast. Okay. okay. So I was saying we use the theme song Afternoon Delight. Well, I had our audio engineer. You know, I wanted to give you a sense of what it would sound if you inserted Pangolin instead of Afternoon. <laughs> and we even... Uh, I have an idea what it would sound like. We even enlisted, uh, you know, uh, uh, we got a hold of a vocalist of some, you know, of some skill, I would say. So, you know, because I wanted it to be, like, organic. You, you could have probably a- gotten the Starland vocal band. I don't think they've had a hit since. Okay, you ready for this? Let me, let me make sure the volume's on. Okay, you ready for this? <clears throat> okay. Pangolin. <laughs> Pangolin. What do you think? What? Well, the, that isn't the that isn't the rec- the regular recording of of Afternoon Delight. <laughs> you mean Pangolin was inserted so seamlessly? It, yeah, no, it, it is. It, it, it is. Was, I was kidding. I expected Mickey, a more professional. Production. It was a joke, Mickey. Our audio engineers did nothing. That okay. was just Afternoon Delight. <laughs> With me saying pangolin. Okay. That was the um, actual surprise. Okay. Got Think it. about it. Um, um, so wait, the, quickly. Uh, I, I don't like transmission because it implies we're spreading disease. Have There's a, a David Bowie song you could use. You, you have a song. You'd have a song. What? There's a song where he says transmission. So you could, you could use that song. What but, is that? Um, That's not ground control to Major Tom, is it? No, it's that I, transmission. I don't know what it is. Transmission is in that. No, there's a, it's a different one. I could find it for you, but I don't like it because it implies we're spreading disease. I like much more this idea of playing on the grouchy boomers get off my lawn theme. I still think the distance is not that bad because, for one thing, I mean, we have gone the distance. You realize that we did the first of these 14 and a half the years ago? The distance is great, but it's taken. I mean, it's it, uh, taken, schmaken. Like, as you pointed out, vice is in its death throes. It's I'm not sure because I, w- I was listening to this podcast of Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher, and Scott Galloway does a thing on Vox. That's where Kara Swisher Vox is. Vox ain't Vice. And he also has a show on Vice. So I see this as the beginning of the Vox Vice alliance that's going to let them, st- they're obviously going to merge and it's going to, they're going to, s- you know, they're going to struggle along for another few years. Look, so I don't think they're going anywhere. I say we do it, they sue us, that's great publicity. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm. Let's think I'll about the this. distance, because we we are going the distance. You could you could do the um. You could you could do the standard like schlocky thing of say call it the distance with Bob and Mickey, and say that that's different from the distance that they have. There there are there are multiple names with. You say Bob and Mickey go the distance. You're allowed to, and by and by the way, that the, the Vice's distance podcast, each episode you're is, not allowed to. Sure you are. Each episode is literally. I could start a band called the Beatles. I couldn't start a band called the Beatles. I'm totally. Sorry. You need no, you to can't. spell it B E E. No, but, you but each of their episodes is like literally three or four minutes. I'm not kidding. That's true. It's a daily podcast of three or four minutes, and so okay, no, well, there's no confusing that with us. Look, I got to have a point. I have to address two uh, people in our audience quickly. One of them said I got the Hong Kong thing a little wrong. It wasn't. It wasn't that that. 
it wasn't that Britain um, leased the whole thing. It actually owned, by virtue of, you know, conquest, uh, Hong Kong Island or something, but had only leased a bunch of surrounding stuff. And as a result, what it did own was indefensible, should China attack or something. Anyway, that's what right. this person said. I presume it's true, so I stand a minute. Then somebody complained that I got Steve Bannon wrong by saying he had uh, kind of... Um, was flip-flopping on lockdown because now he's totally part of the anti-lockdown thing. And this guy says, well, wait, in the beginning, he was only for 30 days to save America. Okay, well, true. But as I recall, the, he was locked down tight, killed the virus, not locked down as transition to herd immunity, which is what this has become. And yet now he's totally on board with what uh, with what the Trump people are doing, which is de facto herd immunity. Uh, all you know, and not well, but if you, not if not if these T cells uh, thing is right. We've come full um, circle, Mickey. But uh, but the Bannon shift also reflects the shift of many people who were following the data and thought, well, you know, it, opening up doesn't look as bad as we thought. So it's not clear that we should attribute sinister motives to what, in fact, it's the same thing that everybody else did. Far be it from me to attribute non-pure motives to Steve Bannon, Mickey. But I, I do, did, in the future, I do hope we can look forward to your sharing more insights into his character. You once alluded to him having done you a solid, uh, him having done something that you were grateful for. Now, don't don't give it away. Don't give it away. No, I, I, I hung no, out no, with no, him. No, no, Mickey, I, Mickey, no, no, Mickey, Mickey, no. keep him coming back. This is in the well, future. I, this revelation lies in the future. My oxygen level just dipped below ninety five, so maybe I won't be back. Next oh week. shit! Well, you better dial. Uh, you better dial nine one one. No, now it's ninety seven, so I'm okay. Um, so, okay. Mighty fickle. Um, now my agent could call at any at point. Least I'm do you have, not do you have a book idea? This. Do you have a book idea? Well, your your books keep getting bigger. First, it was human nature. Then it not was true. Then They're, it was global nature. So I think you have to go galactic this time. Not longer in form, though. The Buddhism book was pretty short. Uh, anyway, I'm not here to advertise my book. I didn't mean longer in life. Oh, I forgot I mean, to advertise I mean, my newsletter, the Non-Zero newsletter at nonzero.org. Go ahead. No. And, well, and Kaus Files, the Kaus Files newsletter. The logical thing for you to do is, is to, to do what every author does and says, you know, I don't believe that Buddhism junk anymore. This is why Buddhism is crap. That should be your next title. Well, somebody wrote a book called Why I'm Not a Buddhist where he takes aim at my book. I did a podcast. I, I did a conversation with him on this. Oh, that was big of you. Well, actually, it was just a an excuse for me to point out that he was wrong. Okay, but um, Which I did in such civil terms that I see, he barely noticed. You did it in a calm Buddhist way. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, um, so anything else you need to uh, get out here? And do you have a book proposal for my agent? You know my agent. Rafe? Yeah. God, you, you give me like 10 seconds to think of one. Uh, um, Something to think about. And then you could, you could, you could like trot out pieces of it in Cows Files, your newsletter, which you forgot to promote. As, as long as it doesn't involve intrusive inspections of other countries. That's my beat. I'm, I'm for it. That's my yeah. beat. I got to say, this was in closing. This was a bad week. This, this was a bad week. In terms of the fate of the nation. And the world. Well, think what the national mood is going to be like if this fucking rocket blows up tomorrow. That's probably not going to happen. Now that, 
I mean, I'd hate to see the loss of life, but I just don't see that as an epic question. Um, anyway, it's not going to happen. Elon is, you know, Elon is solid. Okay. Um, um Okay, so I guess we should we should go. I mean, we're we're, we're ceasing to say things. We're we're going longer and longer periods with no words coming out of our mouths. Is that one of the signs that we should end the conversation? I thought we were just, I thought we were getting we were coming up with book ideas. We were like a, a oh, thousand yeah. of ideas. Okay, but, yeah, well, he okay. hasn't called yet. Let's let's let's. No, brainstorm. I'm joking. I'm joking. We should we should let's brainstorm. Maybe we you should, should write up. a book about immigration or trade. We should shut up. Okay. Uh, the the book about immigration. Has been written by Mark Krikorian, and the book about trade has been written by Alan Tomlinson. Not clear that I have that much to add, but well, think about it. Next week we'll have your your, your uh, book. Or people can can propose book ideas for you. We encourage that. There is a there is a big t- topic out there, which is what would a fusion a fusion left right party that was populist on immigration and trade look like, and is it viable? It's oh, basically Ross, Ross Perot without the craziness. Okay, let's talk about that next week. Okay. And let's talk, and also I encourage people to come up with a book idea for me, too. Um, and you. Okay, so uh, I think we settled everything. Thanks, and we'll see you uh, next week on, well, we don't know what the whatever. name is. Yeah, whatever. Okay. okay, see ya. See ya.